Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Um, If you have your Bibles with you, really... Today, today is bittersweet. I have two more sermons with you. I have this, this week and, and, and in two weeks, I'll be back again. Um, but I came to realize something. You're going to be okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm like a middle manager, right? Like, like Jesus is the shepherd <laughs> and I'm like the middle manager here. And uh, you guys are going to be fine without me. God is good. And uh, I want to jump right into the scriptures because I believe I've got a word for you today. And, um, and it's, it's going to be great. Traff, good to see you, man. <laughs> see, I can, I can call people out because I'm leaving. And so, I, so, so just kidding. Um, Mark chapter 2. This is probably one of my favorite um, Bible stories um, in there. Mark 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the days spread quickly. Definitely supposed to say news. I said days. But I was also going to tell our little video guy up there, um, I'm going to read through the whole thing. So not just to throw you off, but I'm going to blast through it, then I'm going to walk through it. So that's the plan. Um, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside of the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof um, above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But soon the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier for me to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus, he turned to the paralyzed man, and this is what he said. He said, listen, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you that you're real. I thank you that you're here. I thank you that this story, this Bible, this book applies to 2024. God, thank you, Lord, that we're not in this alone. But Jesus, thank you that you are there to walk us through this thing called life. So, Father, as we sit here and hear from your word this morning, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you encourage us? Would you shape us? Father, you've got a plan for this church, and you have a plan for these people. So, Lord, bless them. In your name we pray. Amen. So, it starts off, verse 1, and it sounds like this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. This Jesus was healing people left, right, and center. This Jesus, people are saying he's the, he's the, the Messiah. There, there is a buzz going out around the communities that Jesus was around. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there was no more room. 
Even outside the door, it, 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 it was packed. The, the room was packed. If, if we were going to replicate this moment together, I would invite all of you out of your chairs. I'd get you to sit around this floor. We would pack all the way to the door, and we would just be packed. The room would be packed. And I've come to learn something in my brief ministry here at the church and, and before. The secret to church growth isn't programs. And it's not slick presentations. It's not fancy preaching. It's not excellent children's ministry. And we've got excellent, excellent children's ministry. It's not the worship. The secret to church growth is Jesus. The secret to church growth is Jesus. Now that is both in terms of church, but also the secret to personal growth is Jesus. There's no, there's no self-help books that can save your soul. There's no New Year's resolution that's going to turn everything on its head and all of a sudden, pff, I'm a happier, healthier me. Maybe for an hour or a month or even a year, but it won't last forever. And when the wheels fall off the cards, it's only Jesus that can really make that lasting eternal difference. So everybody's packed in, the, 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 the couches are full, the sofas are full, the chairs are full, there's people coming in from the kitchen, the bathroom, they're, 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 they're all over the place, even out the foyer, down the stairs, windows are cracked open, people are doing everything they can to hear what it is that this Jesus has to say. There was a hunger, there was a curiosity, there was this piece of them that they'd do anything they could to get close to Jesus. And I want that. And I want that for you. And it's so easy to settle with just, oh, I'm going to go to church today. Oh, I'm just going to go do another Christian thing. Oh, i got to get church done so I can go home and get painting my house, which i got to do, right? <laughs> but the reality is there was this hunger that everybody was pressing in beyond comfort, which is interesting when it comes to church growth. I remember when we were at the business center, and uh, that room only sat 112 people, <laughs> And we put 150 in there. <laughs> there was nothing comfortable about that season. But God is moving and doing good things. And sometimes I've noticed in life, we, we tend to make a God out of comfort. And um, that's, that's not really all that helpful, is it? So while he was preaching the word of God to them, it says this in, in, in chapter, or verse 2. It says, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. That is interesting. I would like to make the argument that these four men are actually my favorite Bible characters. Because they model Christianity in its finest. I like these particular men because they're anonymous. Which is interesting. Oftentimes in, Christian, in Christianity, in church life, we try to do things so that we can get some recognition. But here are these four guys, they're not even listed by name. It just happened to be four of them that it took to lift this particular person on the mat. These four men, what they did is they worked together to help somebody in need, which again, I think is a beautiful picture of what healthy and vibrant, life-changing, community-transforming Christianity looks like. Didn't say what denomination they were from or what church they were from. <laughs> and so there was four anonymous guys that grabbed a mat and a paralyzed person so that way they can bring this paralyzed man to Jesus. 
The four didn't bring themselves to Jesus, and that whole room was crowded of, full of people trying to get themselves closer to Jesus. What these four particular people did was they brought someone else with them. And there's something so important and so critical in that little picture. Here's these guys. The news was traveling like crazy. Everybody wanted to hear Jesus and see what he can do. And these four guys, instead of coming and watching and listening, they thought, I'm going to actually bring somebody to Jesus so that way this person can experience this real, healing, awesome God. It says in uh, verse 4, it says, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. That's very fascinating. If you look at it through a different lens, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. It speaks to this idea that it's, it's actually possible to be an obstacle for someone else's encounter to God. Right. I can guarantee you right now, not one of those people would have come there to watch and listen and learn from Jesus. They wouldn't have come thinking to themselves, let's be an obstacle that stops other people from coming to know Jesus. Nobody ever has that plan. But inadvertently, without us even being aware of it, we can become obstacles. I've also noticed in my own personal life, and maybe in yours too, when you're doing something noble, it's easy to give up at the first sign of opposition. These four men, it says that the crowd was, was, was so big that they couldn't get the man to Jesus. And, and they could have had every reason in the world to say, oh, well, we'll catch him afterwards. Oh, well, well, we'll, try and, we'll try and bring him after the service. Like, when, when we don't want to be an interruption. And these four men, what they, were do, what they did is they were unable to bring the paralyzed man on a mat to Jesus. And they could have settled, but they didn't. And when living as a Christian, I need you to hear me. Opposition and obstacles are not a sign that you need to change course. And oftentimes what we do, we'll say, okay, I, I'm going I'm to live vibrantly and I'm going to do something totally out of the ordinary and I'm going to invite this person to church with me. Then you sleep in in the morning and it's really easy to say, hey, sorry about this, I'm going to pick you up next week. It's easy to find obstacles that become excuses. But these men, they didn't do that. They, they, they saw the obstacles and then they saw an unorthodox opportunity. It says in Mark chapter 2, verse 4b, the second part of the verse, it says, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Now, we live in a post-Bible day, and I don't think we often think about this story and how weird this would have been. Imagine the awkwardness of this moment. Here's Jesus preaching, mid-sermon. It's a banger. Everybody's taking notes. Everybody's thinking to themselves, this is absolutely amazing stuff. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you start seeing sawdust start to fall. <laughs> and, and, and some straw begins to fall from the roof. And Jesus just keeps preaching. <laughs> And, and they're good listeners, and they're, they're trying to not be a distraction. They're trying to listen to everything Jesus is saying, and they're looking at Jesus, and they, they, they look up. 
They, they listen to Jesus. They wouldn't have used a saw, but I, I like to picture a hand saw going around like this. <laughs> they can see this little piece of hand saw coming through the roof. All the sawdust and things are coming down. Jesus is still preaching like nothing's happening. Then it says, they, they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Like, talk about an interesting church service. Here's Jesus speaking, as, as he's speaking, all of a sudden this man, very slowly on ropes, and this little mat comes down, comes right down in the middle of the floor. You look up there, there's four little heads popping up. Everybody's looking around thinking, what on earth is Jesus going to do? What's Jesus going to say? The audacity of these people to interrupt Jesus like that? It's not even to speak to the homeowner. It's like, what the heck, man? <laughs> this moment would have been unforgettable. And the four men that day took an incredible risk. And what I love most about this story is that this is a story about four men taking a risk and doing something unprecedented in order to help a vulnerable person encounter Jesus. I'll tell you right now, we need more Christians like that. I think our next move of God will come on the back heels of this type of radical Christian living. As we as individuals, not church programming, this is a message to you. This is a message to me. As we as individuals hyper-focus on reaching the vulnerable people around us, I believe that we will see God do things that we never even thought were possible. Mark chapter 2, verse 5 says, seeing their faith. Like, listen to these words. So seeing their faith, the faith of the four men on the top, little heads poking out, Seeing their faith. Not seeing the faith of the crowd watching people, watching Jesus preach. Not seeing the faith of the paralyzed man who's now on a mat standing awkwardly or sitting awkwardly in front of everybody. So seeing their faith, these four hooligan troublemakers, seeing their faith, Jesus then said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. You hear that? This verse implies that your faith can influence someone else's life. That's, that's not intuitive. Like, even theologically, I try and wrap my mind around this. And based off their faith, Jesus says to this man, your sins are forgiven. You don't need Coastline Church to tell you. I'll say that. You don't need Coastline Church to tell you how to reach your neighbor. Organized programs and strategies are helpful. Like, they're, they're great. They're helpful. We are where we are because we've figured out how to use some of these systems and strategies. Systems aren't anti-God. In the, in the very human body, we have a nervous system. We have all these different skeletal systems. God can use systems. So systems aren't bad. But there's no substitute. There's no substitute for a radical 
personal faith in Jesus. And that is how we change the world. Mark 2, verse 6. Some of the teachers of religious law, they, they, they just watched what took place. They got the hole in the roof. They watched Jesus. They saw the audacity of these guys. Then they hear Jesus say to this man on the mat, <laughs> what? This is not theologically how things work, teacher man. It says, some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Because clearly these guys didn't believe that Jesus was God. And I want to say this as, a, as a, a word of warning to us. Be careful not to be too quick to judge when you see God doing something new. Because it is extraordinarily easy to become a religious teacher. And it is very easy just to become a Pharisee. In fact, I often like to remind people that there's a little bit of Pharisee in all of us. You see, these teachers of religious law, they're not villains. And often when we read this story, we paint them out as villains. Like, these guys are brutal. But these guys were like committed to their faith, committed to religious teaching, so intellectually committed that they couldn't get past their head, that they were standing looking Jesus face to face. There was a distance between their head and their heart that they couldn't pass. And I can see me in that sometimes, where I don't make sense of it here, Therefore, can't be true, can't be possible, can't be God, that's for sure. A lot of you and me, when we get too rigid with our customs, practices, beliefs, we can end up seeing Jesus through, through kind of a haze, seeing the Holy Spirit through kind of this murky haze. And, and it's important that we give space for God to be God. Verse 8, Jesus knew immediately, immediately, the Bible says, that what they were thinking. So these guys weren't actually standing up being like, what is he saying, friends? This is blasphemy, don't you think, Hercules? I don't know, whatever. <laughs> bad, bad name, but it made sense in my mind. <laughs> Only God can forgive sins. Hear, hear. Didn't say that. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So here's these guys watching this whole thing take place. And they're thinking to themselves, uh, based off their faith, he's forgiven? And you're just going to do that? No, no, that's not how this works. That's not how this works. I don't think so. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, and so he asked them, it says, I'm sorry, why, why, do, why do you question this in your heart? And this is a very powerful insight into the nature of God and how God works. Because not only does Jesus know your thoughts, he also sees what's happening inside of your heart. And this is why I believe today is an important day for all of us. As we step into this new season. 
as we step into 2024, what is your next step going to look like this year in terms of your relationship with Jesus? I love what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. And this, is, this verse is like one of the main verses why I love the Bible. Because the Bible gets the human heart. It says these words. It says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Because <laughs> we can be so guilty of that. We can just pretend to love others. Just to kind of go with the flow. But, but Paul kind of calls out the whole church. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. And he says, hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Don't just pretend to love people. Don't just pretend to love Jesus. Because Jesus knows your mind. He knows your thoughts. He knows your heart. You can trick others into thinking that you're doing better than you are. You can trick your spouse into thinking that you're doing better than you are. You can trick me into thinking that you're doing better than you are. But you can't trick God. You can't trick God. Next, Jesus, he, he, he stirs the pot in, in like the best kind of way. Like Jesus is awesome. This is his answer. He just looks back at these guys. What? 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 Huh? What? <laughs> He's like, is it easier to say to a paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'll prove to you. I'll prove to you right now, everybody, all you naysayers. I'll prove to you right now that the Son of Man has the authority to forgive sins. Watch this. Then exhausted by their disbelief, Jesus flexes pretty hard in front of everyone and he creates the sermon illustration of sermon illustrations. You want to know if I can heal or if I can forgive sins? Well, well watch this. He turns to the paralyzed man on the mat. The four friends are watching from up top. And everybody's watching from all around. Guy's peeking in through the window. What is happening in there? I wish I was in there. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and he said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And when I think about this story from the position of the paralyzed man, this moment would have been so hard. This next act is, is easier said than done. In this moment, the man on the mat had to choose in front of everybody, do I risk embarrassment? Do I risk failure? Do I risk looking stupid? Or do I listen to Jesus and just do what he says? Stand up, pick up my mat, and just go home? So with a heavy heart and in the tension of that moment that would have felt like hours, I'm sure, but would have just taken seconds, the four friends watching from the roof, like, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. It says in Mark 2, verse 12, the man jumps up, 
jumps up, he grabs his mat, and walks through the stunned onlookers. No sermon, no, no big moment, no big hurrah. He just gets up and goes out and goes home. And the Bible says, they were all amazed and they praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen anything like this before. And I believe with everything that's inside of me that as we all, as individuals, as we step into 2024, I believe these three commands are linked to your own personal spiritual breakthrough. God's got more for 2024. I stole that from a book that Bev gave me. It was a coastal or GT book way back in the day. And it said, God's got more for 1974. <laughs> We're talking 50 years of God having more in store. In order to step into what God wants for you, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I would write, dear self, dear me to Adam, whatever. It's time to stand up. No more sitting on the sidelines. No more sitting back and watching God move through other people's lives. With everything that I've got inside of me, I would need to encourage you. Now is your time to stand. It's not just God needs you, but your neighbors need you. This church needs you. The community needs you. The West Shore needs you. It's time to stand. What is God calling you to do? Some of you, you know God's been speaking to you. Start a small group. Maybe just join a small group. Maybe there's a ministry inside of you that you know you've, you need to step out in. Who's God calling you to reach? Your annoying neighbor drives you crazy. Maybe he's driving you crazy because God's trying to get your attention. It's time to stand up. This is your year. Number two. It's time to pick up your mat. Your mat represents your story and your testimony. And I want you to commit this year Commit to speaking up more. No more silence. No more you need to share with people. Like, like no more making excuses. I want to encourage you to share with people the good things that God is doing in your life. People need to see the miracles. They need to hear the stories. People need to see what Jesus is doing in you so that they can know what Jesus can do in them. Because they're not going to come to a church service and hear somebody preach about it. But they are going to sit with you in the lunchroom and hear about how God restored your marriage or how God healed your, 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 your cancer or how God, God the, the littler things, how God is giving you peace, how, how, how God's providing for you financially, how, how, how you made a new friend in a small group. People want to hear these things. And they 
can't hear if nobody shares. The last one, I love it. Pick up your mat, stand up, go home. Now more than ever, your home needs you in it. And I want to encourage you to show those who are closest to you how Jesus has transformed your life. We need more Christ-like moms in our community. And we need more Christ-like dads in our community. We need more Christ-like wives and more Christ-like husbands. We need more Christ-like children and we need more Christ-like parents. We need, we need, we need God move in our homes, not just in our churches. It's one thing to act like a Christian in here. It's easy to be a Christian in here. But I can guarantee you today that your life will change for the better if you can like learn how to take the person you are here home with you. And for some of you, it's not going to be that easy. But make that commitment this year to try and walk that out. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray for you. I'm going to pray two prayers today. The first one, you know, if your 2023 was rocky and you'd like to leave here knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you want to start a relationship with Jesus, or quite honestly, maybe you need to restart your relationship with Jesus. If that's you, with every eye closed, with every head bowed, would you just slip your hand up for a moment? I'd love to pray for you. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you're real. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that we're here together. Jesus, we just shared communion today and we talked about your cross and the new life that we have in you. So God, we pray that you would help that little, that little picture become the reality of our hearts. Lord, are there's things that we've done that have hurt you or hurt others, Father, we pray for your forgiveness. God, we thank you that you, you died on a cross for us to give us life, that you want to be a part of our story, that you want to impact who we are, not just in our spiritual mode, but when we're in our house mode, our home mode, our work mode, our leisure mode. God, you want to be part of that too. So help us to be the men and women of God you're calling us to be. In your name we pray. Amen. The second one. Second prayer I want to pray just as we close. If you'd be willing to step out this year, to step out and be like those four men who, who lowered that man on the mat. If you're willing to, to look out for the vulnerable, to try and create pathways for, for, for people to, who are far from God to meet Jesus if you're willing to take risks, to commit to standing up for those who don't have a voice, to, if this is you, 
I invite you to stand to your feet. I'm going to stand together and I'm going to pray for you. We have a community to reach. We have a, a Jesus to serve. And God needs each of us playing our part in order to, to reach this community the way we all want to see him reach the community. And so let me pray for us this morning. God, we thank you that you are real and that you're here. We've just prayed that. But God, we pray for this next season, for this campus and for this church. And we pray that, God, that you would use us to be your hands and feet. We thank you that, Lord God, we thank you for the lives who have been impacted. Lord, our lives have been impacted by the things you've done in us. But Father, we look to tomorrow and we pray that for 2024, God, that you would help us to see people the way you see people. God, that you would renew a fire inside of us to be, be all of who we are called to be. Jesus, that you would stir something inside of us. Holy Spirit, I pray for this congregation. God, that you would encourage them, that you would bless them, that there would be a sense of your presence near and dear to their hearts. God, as they go home today, there would be a sense of you in their homes. Jesus, I just pray your just richest blessings over each and every person. And God, may we go and shine bright in this dark world that we live. Because God, people need to come to know you. So thank you that we can be your hands and feet. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Let's worship together.